Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website. It's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. So we've been exploring together a, a part of a book written by Richard and Mary Alice Jafola. The name of the book is Turnaround, and the ideas in the book are all about how do we do the inside-out work of changing our lives up. How do we turn difficult situations around? How do we turn problems around? How do we turn our life around in the direction that we really want to be going? And in their sharing of this idea of turnaround, they encourage us, and I encourage us as well, to really remember who and what we are, that we are so much more than this human experience, that we are truly spiritual beings living in and through this incarnation, living in and through this physical form, living in and through this human expression. But first and foremost, we are spiritual beings. And we are made in the image and after the likeness of the divine. In unity, you know that we believe we are not born in original sin, but that we are born right the first time, that we are born in original blessing, that we are truly made in the, in the image and after the likeness of the divine, of God. And that there is a creative force, operative in the universe and operative in and through us, and we have a choice. We have a choice to work with that creative force or to turn our backs on it and ignore it, or worse yet, to stand in its own way. What was that Emerson's quote? That the man who, let me go back and read it so I get it right. As long as a man stands in his own way, everything seems to be in his way. So today we're looking at the last of these turning points and stepping stones to turning our lives around. And it is the idea of getting ourselves out of the way. And so every week when I've been working with this material myself, I will refresh my own memory and say, okay, what's the journey that we've been on? And yesterday when I was doing this, looking at steps one through six, it finally dawned on me, oh my gosh, each of these steps is like the ABCs. Did any of the rest of you get it? We begin step one. Do you remember what the first step was? Awareness. Awareness. Do you remember what the second step was? I already gave you a clue, ABCs. Blessings. Do you remember what the third one was? The word that some of us don't like too much. See, I knew I could prompt you. Commitment. Do you remember what the fourth one was? Detached statements and affirmations. Do you remember what the fifth one was? Energize it. And the sixth? Last week, please tell me you remember, it was only last Sunday. Faith, A, B, C, D, E, F, and today, G, which is get out of our... I sat there last night and thought, how in the world did I miss that? I must not have been nearly as aware as I would have liked to have thought. Awareness, blessing, commitment, detachment, statements, and affirmations, energizing it, faith and getting ourselves out of the way. Our journey is very much from the inside out, and getting out of the way really is, in a way, the last piece of that deep inner work. <clears throat> Too many people in metaphysics, when they first get in metaphysics, they want to start there. They just want to visualize it and affirm it, but not do anything. 
You see, there's a, there's a building. Each of these first six um, stepping stones are laying the foundation for us to then, when we've done all of those things, then we make sure that we give God some room. Then we make sure that we practice getting out of our own way. How many of you have ever been to the circus or to a show where you have seen in live action trapeze artists? Raise your hand. Is that not amazing? I mean, the amount of practice and skill and faith and trust. You see the flyer going, swinging in high, high arcs. And you see the catcher patiently swinging, waiting so that they will be at just the right place at just the right moment for the flyer who's swinging in these high arcs to do what? To let go and do some amazing thing in the air and miraculously and prayerfully be caught, right? But none of the action happens until what? Until the flyer let go. Can you imagine for a moment what would happen if the flyer did not let go or try to keep one hand on the trapeze while grabbing it? That would be torture. That would be torture. In order for that whole activity to work, there has got to be a complete and well-timed, say that with me, and well-timed letting go. So there are five things that I want to share with you this morning about this idea of getting ourselves out of the way. And the first, I've already said, it is letting go. Let it go and let it grow. Say that with me. Let it go and let it grow. Let it go and let it grow. Let it go and let it grow. That flyer on the trapeze has got to let go. Has got to let go. We know what would happen if, if they didn't. They'd be in this place of being pulled in two directions, right? And it would be rather painful. Getting out of the way and letting it grow, letting it flow, is very much like watching a leaf floating down the river, right? Allowing it to be carried away by the movement of the river. Have you ever just sat by a riverside, or even just a brook, and just watch that, have you? So very peaceful, so very instructive, really. So very helpful for us to remember that there are absolutely times in our lives where we've done everything that is ours to do, where we've done those first six steps, and now it is time to step back. Man, have I been working with that idea personally this in, almost this entire year. Stepping back and letting go. Thinking I have stepped back far enough and let go enough, only to discover, no, I have still more stepping back. And let, how many of you find this whole letting go thing really easy to do? Do any of you? I don't find it really easy. I practice it a lot, but it's amazing how I can step back, let it go, and then it's like it's right back in my hands. Raise your hand if you have any idea whatsoever what I'm talking about. The other day, well, it wasn't the other day, it was in summertime. I was sitting in our backyard, and our backyard um, has a lot of very old brick, and it's 
somewhat uneven brick. And there was some watering that had been done, and the water was starting to dry, but the water was still moving and puddling. And I watched how it moved and puddled, and it always found the lowest and easiest place to move to. And it was such an instructive thing for me as I, as I was watching that, because there was no feeling of struggle. And I thought, boy, how many times do I have to get that inside of me with the ability to be able to just really step back and give whatever it is a little more space, a little more time. That's one of the other points I'll talk about in a moment. Second idea is that you don't stop trying, but you do stop meddling. <laughs> Say that with me. You don't stop trying, but you do stop meddling. Oh, wow. Don't stop trying, but you do stop meddling. You know, a farmer plants his seeds, right? He does his work. He plants the seed, but he can't keep meddling with it, can he? He nur nurtures it, he nourishes it so that environmentally it's got the best chance to do what it's meant to do, which is to grow, right? That's nature's job. That's nature's job. But if he keeps meddling with it, he only messes it up. I put in my notes, we have to stop being concerned with every detail of how things are going to work out and give God some room to work out the details. Give God some room to work out the details. Say that with me. Give God some room to work out the details. Take a deep breath. I know that can make it easier. I want to tell you a story. How many of you recognize the name Father Leo Booth? Raise your hand if you recognize the name. How many of you have ever seen him in person? He is so funny. It has been years since I've seen him, um, but I have seen him on numerous occasions in, in person. He is a former Episcopalian priest, and he is so funny and so practical and so real. And this is a true story in his life. So Father Leo was on his way to Bali, but when he got to the airport and showed his passport, he was stopped at, pa at that point because his passport had only four months left on it. And in order to travel, if you've traveled internationally, you know that you have to have what? Six months left on your passport. So the agent suggested to Father Leo that he simply stop over in Singapore to get his passport renewed at the British em Embassy before he went on to Bali. To Bali but that the process would take several days. And Father Leo did not have several days to wait for a new passport. So he sat back down, and as he's waiting and figuring out what he's going to do, another traveler, a woman, got up to go use the restroom and came back. And he's sitting there fretting and stewing and wondering what in the world is he going to do. Well, when the woman came back, I want to read some of this story to you because I find it hilarious. So when the woman comes back, she comes back from the restroom, and Father Leo notices that her blouse is caught up, her skirt is caught up in her underwear. Now, I wish I could imitate Father Leo, but I can't. He says, I refer to this as a spiritual moment. What should I do? What should I do? I toyed with the idea of gently trying to pull it out but thought better of that. Could you imagine that? This was a few years ago. Nowadays, he could really be arrested for it, right? So instead, he said, excuse me, your skirt is stuck in your underwear. 
the woman says, oh dear, I hate it when I do that. <laughs> Father Leo says, I thought it was better to tell you. She says, thank you. I detect an accent. Are you from England? He said, yes. And she says, so am I, but now I live in Singapore. Father Leo says, what do you do? Are you ready for her answer? I work for the British Embassy in the passport division. Within a day, he had his passport updated. If we give God some room, it's amazing how things can work out. We still have to do all of our part up to the point. But if we give some room, it's amazing. The third idea is to, to be like silver rather than iron. And what I mean by that is silver is a great conductor of electricity because it, is, it has very little resistance. And so it doesn't lose the, the power through, through heat. Whereas iron, there's so much resistance, and, and the, uh, the charge of electricity is lost and dissipated because of the resistance, lost and dissipated because of the resistance and the heat. It's about learning how to be non-resistant. Though I do not practice it anymore, a number of years ago, and for several years, I practiced a martial art of Aikido. I never got particularly good at it. It's much a very, very difficult martial art, and it's very hard on the body in that you are always being thrown. And at my age, being thrown is not as easy as throwing a nine-year-old or so forth. But the reason I went into the martial art of Aikido was number one, I knew enough about that art to know that it was so very deeply spiritually grounded. It is based in the principle of non-resistance. It is based in the principle of non-harm. Now that probably sounds like an oxymoron when you're thinking of a martial art, right? Because we usually have this image of, um, of power over someone. In Aikido, the power is experienced non-resistantly. It is experienced in a way in which when someone is physically coming at you to attack you, you do not put up resistance to it, but you learn very, very skillful and yet complicated movements to accept that energy and to literally turn that energy around, sending your opponent somewhere else. I chose to go into the practice um, Aikido for a number of years because I wanted to feel in my body what non-resistance feels like. I wanted it not to just be something that I understood intellectually or meditatively, but that I could really get it anchored in a much, much deeper way. Now, I'm not suggesting that you all run off to the mat and try to take up Aikido or anything like that. But what I am saying is there is a real visceral experience of what non-resistance feels like. And there are other ways that we can practice that and get into that. Some of the visuals I gave you can be enough for some people to get there. There are very simple physical exercises one can do. We don't have time to demonstrate them now, but that one can learn to do that helps you to feel what it means to be in the flow and not resistant to the flow. It's important that we understand non-resistance does not mean non-activity. 
It's a very different kind of activity. And as you've heard me say again and again in this message, this idea of getting ourselves out of the way does not mean that we stop doing what is ours to do. We must still do what is ours to do, but in the midst of doing whatever is ours to do, to realize that all of it is not ours. Does that make sense? That's where we are giving some spaciousness to the divine, some spaciousness to God. So we're, I want to reiterate that we are to keep doing what is ours to do. We still do that part. It's like the sailor adjusts their sails to the wind, right? And then in the adjustment of the sails to the wind, the wind can carry the boat forward. Let me move on to the fourth one. The fourth one is very specifically giving God some time to work out the details. We've talked about giving God some room. Here's about giving God some time. I jotted this down as I was listening to the, the song earlier, that it's not just the part of the reason that we have to give it some time is sometimes something else has to happen in between. Sometimes something else has to happen in between. Have you ever been working diligently to bring forth something in your life and you wonder why hasn't it happened yet? Any of you ever have that experience? Okay, yeah. And you're, you're faithfully doing what is yours to do and you feel like you've really given God some, some room. Sometimes we have to really look at, is it a timing piece? Is there something outside of what is ours to do that has to be done in order for the good or the change that we are wanting to, to experience to happen. I want to share something with you that just took place on um, this past Thursday. So you've been hearing from us for a number of months that our beloved preschool director, Lynn Benedict, who's been with us since the starting of our very successful preschool, is retiring. And she's given us a huge amount of time. I think it was, I don't remember, maybe in March, that she told us it would be sometime toward the end of the year or the beginning of next year. And so we'd been putting out behind the scenes, advertising in all the places you're supposed to and advertising and talking to you about it. And I've been sending stuff to, to my colleagues and friends. And we would get little nibbles for a preschool director. And some of the folks, you'd wonder if they even read the job description because they had nothing in their past that related to being working with children, let alone having the qualifications to be a preschool di director. Or what started to happen over the last, I don't know, month, two months, I think, we would get a candidate that was qualified. We would set up an interview, and this happened two or three times. Right before the interview, they would call us, and they would say, I've taken another position. And it happened enough that we found, those of us who've been working on it, found ourselves scratching our heads saying, this is just really odd. We cannot figure out what's going on here. And in the midst of all of this, the really important part I forgot to tell you, the amount of prayer work that we were doing was phenomenal. It was the top of my prayer list because she's leaving December 2nd. That's the other important part I needed to tell you, right? <laughs> and so as the time is getting closer and closer, and we thought, boy, this person that we have an interview with really seems solid and great, can't wait to get them in. Phone rings, already took another position. 
Happened two or three times. And we're thinking, okay, God, time to, to think about plan B. What could plan B be? This preschool is a divine idea in the mind of God. We know that there, it deserves to exist. It's doing great work and all of those things. What's happening? This is weird. We get a call from somebody, not a call, an application from somebody who lives in the Thousand Oaks Ventura area. We're thinking, boy, that's a long way to come for an interview. That she had just recently had just seen the position. So she came down for an interview on Thursday. She looked great on paper, came down for an interview just this, this past Thursday. I decided I'd better, even though I don't usually do the first interview, I usually do the second or third interview, that I would sit in because I thought, okay, it's feeling God like we're really desperate, and that's not the place to hire from. And so Christine Elliott and Lynn Benedict were conducting the interview, and I, I popped in, very curious. Okay, God, this is the first really viable person that you've brought to us. What is this about? And I decided that I was going to ask a question, even though I told Christine and Lynn I wouldn't. I said, I want to know why you want to move to San Diego. What's bringing you to San Diego? And she proceeded to share with us that for 10 years she's wanted to live in San Diego, that she tried to get her degree at San Diego State, her um, early childhood development degree, but the entire department was impacted and she couldn't get in, so she wound up going to Northridge, started her career there, but she really wants to be in San Diego. And then she said, well, and you know, there's a church I go to every once in a while. And I'm thinking, well, this is interesting. And there was something in the way she said it that Lynn, our director, who is a avid follower of Self-Realization Fellowship, which is one of the reasons that she does such a beautiful job with the spiritual component of her school, Elizabeth, the interviewee, said, well, I go to SRF. We just threw our hands back. We knew in that moment, of all the people that could apply for that job, a student of SRF stepping into or wanting to step into this position that we'd been advertising for more than six months, down to the wire, thought we had other people that were going to be the perfect right candidate, and we would have hired them, but none of them had a solid, true spiritual background. Would you say that sometimes God waits to the last minute? <laughs> I mean, last week my, my lesson was on faith, and I was standing here talking to you passionately about faith. What I didn't share was the specifics of where I was having to practice it, and it was it faith in the process that somehow, some way, the perfect right person was going to be coming to us. And it sure didn't look that way this past Sunday. Other things sometimes have to happen because if those other people had been interviewed, I'm quite confident we would have picked one of them. Does that make sense? So giving God some room to work. The last, yeah. A little bit of white knuckle prayer work. But a powerful lesson for me. And in fact, the three of us talked about that afterwards, that it was, so, it was so clear to us, so clear to us, that this was a God job, that it was a God job. And the last, when you've done everything you can, 
it is definitely time to step back. When you've done everything you can, it is definitely time to step back. You may have to step back and take some really deep breaths. You may have to go back and listen to a lesson on faith. But when you have done your part fully and completely, it's time to be like that trapeze flyer and go, okay, God, I need to let go now. And it can't be a holding on with one hand and letting go with the other. Let me close with a few words from the Chipolas. There is a greater order to things than you are aware of. You can be sure of this. By not attempting to predict outcomes, by not fretting about your means of getting there, you smooth the way for the plan to reveal itself easily and quickly. Your part is to keep focus on your role and to trust, simply trust. The outcome, always as good or better and usually different than what you'd expect or hoped. And looking at the big picture of your life, you see that each episode along the way, no matter how difficult at the time, has proven to be a stepping stone to something even greater. Out of every twist and turn, you've been led further along the pathway to a more satisfying, a more spiritually tuned life. There is always a perfect solution underlying every challenging situation. There's always a perfect solution underlying every challenging situation. No matter how far you may have strayed from the awareness of the presence of the guiding force of life, it is ready to show you a direct route back to where your happiness lies. You can walk sure-footedly because the way is prepared before you, and everything, everything will be all right. Namaste. Namaste.